Hi, I'm Nicole Davidson, and this is the Negotiation in Real Life podcast, the show where we take the lessons learned in real life negotiations to help you build your negotiation toolkit. We'll be hearing from lawyers, entrepreneurs, and senior business people about their best and worst negotiations. Negotiation is one of the most important skills for success in business and in life, but it's a skill we are rarely taught. For many of us, we develop our skills purely through trial and error. We see what works, discard what doesn't, and if we're lucky, we'll have a few good mentors along the way. In this podcast, we're going to give you access to an even greater range of negotiation mentors. Enjoy this episode and please reach out if you have any questions. In this episode of Negotiation in Real Life, I speak with Susan Anderson, the Director of Legal Services at Forsetti Resources, a legal technology company and Australian small business. Prior to founding Forsetti, Susan was a lawyer in private practice in Queensland for about 20 years, undertaking complex multi-party litigation, workers' compensation, motor vehicle accident insurance claims and administrative law. She has managed practice teams, represented individuals, corporations, insurers, and agencies and authorities set up by the Queensland and Victorian governments. In this episode, we talk about negotiations in the complex insurance litigation space, the success of Queensland's scheme to encourage pre-trial settlement, the benefits of good data to resolve insurance disputes, focusing on the big picture in a negotiation, negotiating with a hothead, what to look for when choosing a mediator, the risks of delaying settlement negotiations, the value of a fresh set of eyes in a negotiation, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So welcome to the podcast, Susan. It's lovely to be here, Nicole. Um, and I just want to say, firstly, congratulations uh, on winning uh, Mediator of the Year at the Australian Law Awards for 2022. It's an outstanding achievement. Thank you. That's very kind of you. And it was quite a thrill to do so, I can guarantee you. So thank you. Susan, you've got a lot of negotiation experience and have been involved in dispute resolution and all sorts of various negotiations over your career. And I think we're going to have some fabulous conversations about that. Before we get into all of that, could you give our audience a brief overview of who you are and what you do? So I started my career as um, a lawyer uh, doing complex insurance litigation. And after about 20 years of uh, doing that, uh, I decided to found a legal technology uh, company. So I'm currently uh, the director and uh, a legal technologist uh, at uh, Forsetti Resources. And the reason that uh, I'm in that business is largely because of mediation. And the aim of it is to uh, try and help more and more people to resolve their disputes. So that's why I've moved into the legal technology sector. Fantastic. And we'll explore that a little bit more and, and see how you're helping people as well, I think, because I think it's fantastic to see these things that are bringing greater access to justice, which certainly is what drives me in the mediation space. And I suspect there's a lot of commonalities there. So you talked about having a lot of experience in the complex insurance litigation side of things. Now, obviously, there's lots of negotiations and particularly sort of settlement negotiations that go on in those insurance disputes. What's been your experience of negotiating in terms of how have you developed your skills through that career and what have you had to learn to be able to do your job effectively? Well, firstly, I should say that I've uh, spent most of my legal practice in Queensland where 
We have quite a compulsory, sophisticated negotiation process for many of our litigation disputes. Uh, it's gone from being a every claim goes to court jurisdiction about 30, 35 years ago to a scheme over the last uh, 20 years where uh, if the parties haven't settled before they get to a, a particular point in time in the claims process, uh, they're obliged to have compulsory conferences and settle disputes. And, and these are for things like work accidents and car accidents and uh, injuries if people go to public events. Um, it's quite a it's a, quite an interesting process in the sense that a very large proportion of claims uh, do settle in that space, and ultimately, what it has done is uh, got people results faster, um, and that's uh, both the public uh, and uh, the insurance companies who are involved in those schemes. Um, the other part to it, and the big part, is it's uh, managed to get. Uh, most of those claims um, out of the court system. Um, and that has been a big win in a lot of respects for the legal system because it's enabled the that area to focus upon things that are inevitably, uh, you know, quite busy for them in the criminal sector and the domestic violence sector and the family law sector. And 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 so, so in that respect, it's been good. Um, I can actually say that in Queensland, they publicly uh, list the statistics for uh, dispute resolution. So if anyone is in any doubt about, you know, whether uh, sitting down with somebody and trying to resolve a dispute or having a formalised mediation is worthwhile or not, don't take my word for it. Uh, take some statistics. Um, so in Queensland, the uh, Motor Accident Insurance Commission publishes annual scheme insights and in 2021, uh, in respect to car accident claims, something like 52% of disputes inevitably involve uh, people with lawyers who haven't just resolved their dispute before compulsory conferences. They say 25.8% of that roughly 50% um, might resolve through discussions mm. between the parties informally before a compulsory conference and usually a couple of weeks before. So of the remaining 25-26% of claims, there's 10% of them are actually settled at the compulsory conference or, you know, within a, about 14 days after it. And another 16.1% of them are actually settled before trial. And I've given those numbers in round percentages, but when I sat down and added them all up, uh, basically parties through having conversations and trying to resolve claims, whether it was without lawyers or with lawyers, with mediators uh, or without, but inevitably people sitting down and, you know, having a good discussion about the dispute, 99.9% .9 of claims uh, in the car accident space in Queensland resolved uh, in 2021 in that way. Wow, that's a fabulous statistic, isn't it? And I guess, you know, you're talking about a system there that's been going for a little while. It's interesting because one of the things I often think about, because not only do I mediate, but I teach negotiation skills. And I think the more lawyers see mediations and build their skills, the less mediations will need because they'll actually be able to do some of that for themselves regardless. And, you know, you'd like to see the lawyers settling more disputes themselves without needing to go to mediation to me is a real win. 
and it ultimately um, has some, you know, other benefits for the parties involved too because it's fewer people to have to juggle and organise to all meet at the same time in the same place, which sometimes can be a bit difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, presumably as well, you know, we know that the delays in the courts are quite significant because of excess caseloads, but these people will be getting their cases resolved much faster, hopefully, because of this process. Is is there any data that you've seen on that? There are claims where people are getting them resolved within nine months (coughs) of the claim itself. So claims within nine months of being lodged that are being resolved is a is a fairly uh, high statistic. The other part to it is that most claims in the system, you know, the aim is to resolve these within two years, uh, even, even in the most complex of cases, although there are some in terms of some significant work injuries where it might take three, four or five years mm. for the nature of the injury. And, and if it's a commercial dispute, you know, say it's a, a fire of a commercial building and there are lots of occupant businesses in the building, for example, you know, something in that space will take a long time, a longer yeah. time to resolve because there's a lot to investigate. But it used to be the case that people would commence litigation and take years to get uh, to a court, you know, a court outcome, whereas now uh, certainly, you know, the Queensland experience is parties are resolving these claims, you know, promptly. And it's only a very small number of cases that get to trial. And the the courts are very good at getting uh, the answers to people, um, you know, much more quickly in terms of judgments, uh, uh, despite, you know, the, the heavy demands on their time in other mm. aspects. So I'm interested, Susan, obviously you were involved in a number of negotiations when you were in that side of practice, but now as a business owner and setting up your own enterprise, you'd be doing very different negotiations. How have you found the skills that you had negotiating insurance disputes have translated into the sorts of negotiations you've had to have as a an entrepreneur? The thing I learned fairly early on as a lawyer was there's much more to the dispute than just what is in the dispute between the two parties involved. You actually have to consider the big picture. Mm. Um, and if you consider the big picture in a dispute in, a litigation, in litigation, you can sometimes you know, find outcomes that um, may not be entirely clear when you're just arguing one side of the case or the other. Um, but but in that space of learning the big picture, what what uh, I learned was that it's actually really quite an even good, better skill to have when you get into business negotiation because it is not just about, you know, you want to achieve an outcome and you engage with others to do that. But knowing, you know, what drives, you know, their reason for being in the in the business discussion or negotiation with you actually helps you to get an outcome for yourself. So the practical example I can give you in that field is sometimes when you are dealing with someone who's in another uh, area of expertise to you, say they're in, in marketing and you're wanting to advertise or market your business, they have other demands on their time other than the work that they do for you. And so when you give them a deadline of when you want something by, uh, it's always better to give them a little bit a little bit of a window of more time to do it. So whatever deadline you give them, don't make it your critical deadline. Mm. And it, when they come to you and say things like, look, we've, you know, something's come up, um, you know, having that 
cool approach, which you learn in law to not be a hothead, uh, really quite helps because you can go. I don't think everybody learns that, unfortunately, Susan. (laughs) Um, Well, I have a story about that. Uh, (laughs) Come back to that one. But to finish, but to finish the to finish this conversation, you know, it it helps it helps you to understand uh, other people's work requirements, and when you do that, um, people are much more appreciative of the fact that not only are, are they doing some work for you, but that you also appreciate their position. And and I think what you get from that is you get better results. So you know, the marketing team will go the extra mile for you. Yeah, and it's that whole thing, isn't it, about appreciating that you're negotiating with a person. You're not just negotiating with an organisation, but there's actually a real person there. And if you can understand them, um, you can have a much better working relationship. Yeah, I really like that. But I'm very keen to hear about the hothead. So very early early on uh, in my legal career, when uh, I worked in a a small legal practice where the the, the reality is any kind of business could come in the door. So we would do some things. We, you know, we did a lot of uh, insurance litigation, but, you know, we could have some small business disputes, some commercial disputes, some family law, et cetera. But uh, I was in, I was uh, probably about two years qualified at the time and I was sent to a mediation where uh, there were two parties, the three parties to the actual uh, claim, but, Two of the parties, two of the other part, the other two parties were entirely uh, the ones in the argument between them, and and we were sort of the the third wheel to the to the dispute because we were dragged into it. But at the end of the day, um, my client's risk wasn't wasn't very big, mm. so they you know their attitude to the whole thing was, well, we have to go along for the ride and you know let them sort it out and. I'll just pay what I have to pay. Um, and the other two parties uh, got were very uh, were very unhappy with each other. They both hired two barristers who were exceptionally uh, their their mediation prowess was well known for being two of the hottest heads in the in the game. And I remember walking into the mediation and the mediator saying, "Oh, it's going to be a long morning." Um, and and shaking his head because uh, of of who the other parties had brought to represent them. Yeah, these two barristers probably, uh, to use a sporting analogy, um, took it all out onto the field, and probably broke a few of the rules of the game on the field. And in that environment, you don't actually get red carded. Uh, <laughs> And uh, but in saying that, the media the 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 mediator was very good at their job. Got these these two barristers to, you know, to to roughly to a position uh, by the end of the you know by the end of the morning. One of the practices is uh, to sign off on terms of agreement at the end, and uh, these barrist these two barristers couldn't work out why their clients were to why their clients were in such a hurry to leave. Um, and I just turned around when I handed the piece of paper back to one of them and said, look, can you hurry up because our three clients are off to lunch <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, they, they've got a booking for like 10 past one. And he's and and he's and these two barristers who literally uh, had such a hot-headed argument were just the, the looks on their faces I remember for the entirety of my, my life because they were just astounded 
that two people who had a dispute between them on a litigious matter uh, were human beings who liked each other immensely yeah. behind the scenes and business is business and, you know, the rest of the time was they were actually really good friends and they could actually see past, the these clients could see past the dispute Yeah. Um, and they had planned in advance to go to lunch regardless of what the outcome of their, their hot-headed business, the, this hot-headed. What a, what a great story. And, you know, I think it just illustrates to me what, you know, what I often say is we've we've developed this system for resolving commercial disputes over time that is all geared around you know hundreds and hundreds of years of legal system development which is an adversarial process so i think this is just a beautiful example of how <clears throat> you've actually got parties who are quite well you know communicating well with each other and have an ability but they're just stuck in how to resolve this dispute and yet you bring it in and then there's all this hostility and aggression from the legal fraternity because it's it's an adversarial system and that's what they're used to. But I think coming in and help having a neutral mediator earlier on um, to just help them facilitate discussions around this could have led to a much better outcome. I'm interested, you know, having been there, do you think that they could have resolved it themselves if they just had some assistance earlier on? Um. I actually think in their case, no, because they were too good of friends and they did not want to jeopardise their friendship. Uh, like they, if they'd got into negotiating it out, they would have, they worried that it might damage, hmm. you know, their friendship. Um, and it was a bit more to it than just their friendship because this was sort of the first lead, uh, the first deal of what was inevitably going to be many. Yep. And so really what this dispute did was sorted out the parameters of how their businesses were going to actually have an ongoing business relationship. Yeah. But uh, in the hurly-burly of this is what the dispute is and why we've got lawyers involved, uh, you know, in that, in that particular uh, matter, the lawyers all forgot that perhaps there was a bigger picture to why the parties were there. Mm. Um, and, and inevitably, because it was the lead uh, contract uh, of what was inevitably a series of contracts, you know, they both did get, you know, quite heavy hitters uh, in the claim. Um, the, the happy part to the story is that uh, when I uh, happened by for another mediation, uh, probably with the same mediator about some four months later, the mediator um, dragged me to one side in the mediation and said, oh, you've got no idea of the change negotiation style of uh, those two barristers who were here last time you were here. Yeah. Said they've been before me about, you know, five or ten times each since I've seen you. And he said, and it's just transformed them. They just come with, you know, they play by the rules completely. Yeah. And he said they were actually quite uh, embarrassed in the end as to the fact that they had lost their cool a bit with each other and then worked out how you, how useless it actually was and learned a lesson from it. So so there was a little bit of change. Um, and I should say, in my experience, that's they were the exception, not the norm. Like um, I've had really good mediation experiences with and, and good settlement negotiation experiences with most people because generally people are in the business of seeing you again so well, particularly uh, in insurance space isn't it because yes. you get a lot of repeat um 
at least from the insurer side, the, the plaintiff might be different in a lot of cases or depending on where the insurer sits, I guess, but you might get the parties themselves are new to it, but the insurers who sit behind them have all been through it before. So it is a space that's a little bit different to commercial mediation in that way, I guess. And, and it's also a bit damaging, I think, for plaintiffs if their lawyers, you know, got a bit of a reputation for, mm. you know, having having had a problem, you know, ha having caused problems in another, you know, in a previous matter for a different client. So not not that not that any plaintiff is ever going to know that, but that's it, the challenge for them, isn't it? You know, how do you actually know whether your solicitor is the right one to pick and whether they should be in the mediation or the barrister should come in? Mm. But, but ultimately, you know, the, the, the lesson from it all is understand that beyond whatever is in dispute between the two parties, there is a much bigger picture and it can, it can be a lot of different things. Mm. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, the bigger picture is simply do we really want to be at trial even? Like what is that going to cost to our business if we go to trial? Do I want to have all my staff uh, sitting on a chair at the local courthouse for two days waiting to give evidence uh, or would I be better off, you know, back in my business, uh, you know, with them all working, doing the, whatever they're normally paid to do. Absolutely. Yeah, so important. I often ask people as well, if we don't settle this today, how are you going to feel when you're up there on the stand being grilled by the other side? You know, just the experience of going through that for many people is quite confronting and, and unpleasant. That's true. And the other part to it too is that you don't control the outcome in that in that uh, courtroom environment, nor do you control when you actually get your decision. Mm. So from the point of view of two, you know, of, of parties involved, to be able to actually have some control over your own destiny um, and to be able to move on. Um, and, and whether that's um, because it's an individual who's injured or uh, it's simply because, you know, if you're in business, you're in business to do something else. You're not in business to, you know, to litigate. It's it's more fallout than core business. So, yeah. you know, there are lots of reasons why negotiation is is super useful. Yeah, absolutely. So, Susan, you've not only had a lot of experience as a negotiator, but you've also been in a lot of mediations and have seen a lot of different mediators. What do you think people should be looking for in a mediator? Firstly, I'd say law is a very specialised area. So getting a mediator who is experienced in the area of law that your, your, your dispute is in is firstly important. You know, you, you don't take a family lawyer to a commercial dispute because there would be an awful lot about a commercial dispute that a family lawyer quite understandably wouldn't understand. Um, most um, mediators have broadly an area of expertise that covers, you know, quite a number of areas of law, but that, but the first point of call would be to say, well, what do they specialise in? Mm -hmm. um, secondly, in terms of picking a mediator, the thing that I think is very important to understand is that sometimes the parties might have language barriers and that if you can find a mediator who can uh, speak the language of your clients uh, in the dispute, then that is very helpful. 
Um, and, and when I say a language barrier, I, I am not necessarily just meaning a multicultural uh, linguistic difference uh, if English is not somebody's first language. It might, or, might also be because of disputes about something highly technical. If you're in an uh, argument about, say, a construction case, for example, and you're, you're trying to have a conversation about form workers and concrete shutters and you know, whether you're dealing with a hammerhead crane or a towerhead crane. Um, and if those matters are extremely important to the, you know, to understanding the party's position, then perhaps somebody who understands, you know, construction is is quite a helpful mediator to have. Yeah, absolutely. I remember doing one mediation and I learned all about um, forestry equipment, the grapples that pick the logs up and all of the components. So I had a, a sort of quick shot lesson in that it clearly wasn't an, an area of expertise of mine but I think it is important as you say to be curious to get that understanding if you don't have it and the more complex the matter like a, a giant construction the more specialist knowledge you need and, and that expertise does make sense I agree any other tips on picking a mediator I think if if time is of the essence for your dispute Pick one who is actually got some availability uh, within a time frame that that is of comfort to the parties. You know, don't hang out for the perfect mediator if you have to wait months and months and months and months for for an outcome. I mean, it's it's not as you know, mediators are all very good at their job. So in the end, you know, hanging out for the best one is certainly not. You know, what yeah. is perceived to be the best one is certainly not is certainly not something that uh, I would I would recommend to anybody. Yeah, I like that piece of advice, mainly because um, I've never seen a conflict that's decreased over time. Um, so the longer that you have to wait, the more frustrated both sides of the dispute are, and it just keeps making it that little bit harder to settle. So I think getting somebody who is available on a timely basis is also fantastic advice. And, and then sometimes too, the longer the longer litigation goes on, the harder it is for people to actually see the solution to the problem. So not only do 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 the humans involved in the process get more angst, but uh, I've had I've had some uh, examples in practice where uh, I felt that because the parties uh, had been in the litigation for so long, they actually couldn't see yeah. the solution that was there. Um, and uh, I remember being representing a party who arrived very late in a very long piece of litigation for some flood damage in a shopping centre um, where there were a whole bunch of retail stores involved. And uh, when I went to mediation um, and sat around the table, I was actually sitting there thinking, golly, who's not here? Like that, because just about every insurer in town was there and uh, a representative from every law firm in town was there. And uh, we spent, I think, two hours doing the opening of what everybody's position was because of that. And and I was last and after, uh, I was left to last by the mediator. And so after two hours of this, uh, I just said, well, I've only got one question and this is my question. And, it, and, and inevitably um, the answer to that question, which I didn't know, but mm. it's useful to know the answer to, was the, the core thing that helped the rest of them resolve the dispute. Because and and it wasn't because I was clever. It was simply because I was late to the 
to the litigation. So I had a fresh set of eyes over what everybody's problem was. Yeah. Um, and so the solution seemed quite clear. And I guess that's often another reason why you might, you know, want to consider a mediator. Um, there's more to it than just having two parties who can't, you know, resolve the dispute between them. You know, they might get their lawyers uh, involved and even with the lawyers involved, the parties still can't resolve the dispute. But having that fresh set of eyes uh, who can look at the big picture and say, well, have you thought about X and Y um, yeah. can really help. Absolutely agree. And, look, I think, as as you said, you know, when the, as the litigation goes on, because litigation is such a black and white, you know, someone's going to win and somebody's going to lose, people are out there looking for all the information that helps them. So they become more and more ingrained in their own beliefs about the strength of their case. Even though we know that only one of them can win, you've got two parties both convinced that they're going to win this litigation. So, you know, what I love about mediation is it's more grey. It's it's actually, look, in some ways we have an idea of where this might go, but irrespective of that, we can work something out that makes sense for people. Yeah, so I, I, describe, I describe that, Nicole, as it's trench warfare. Um, the longer you're in the trench, the more you dig in. Um, yeah. And what mediation does is it actually, you know, helps you to, to break out of that situation. I love that analogy. Thank you. Can I borrow it? You can have it. Thank you. Um, so, Susan, now you've moved um, out of practice. You're, you're working with Forseti Resources. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what Forseti is doing and how you can help people? So Forseti is a legal technology company. We provide products as a service for to to the legal profession at the moment for is providing um, a, a software uh, as a service package to uh, lawyers in who operate in Queensland for their civil liability claims and their workers compensation claims what what it what it does uh, is provides a link or a bridge between the legislation that applies to claims for general damages in Queensland and the case law uh, where judges have interpreted that legislation. Um, without getting into the technicalities of Queensland uh, general damages, um, broadly speaking, it's a scheme where rather than just assessing how much broadly per claim, there's a, a scale of zero to 100 and all the injuries get put into that scale. And at, at the end of the day, uh, because 99% uh, in the motor vehicle space and a large percentage of claims in public liability and workers' compensation spaces are settling uh, through compulsory conference and mediation, um, what, what uh, happens is to find that comparable case information is, uh, you know, its own pilgrimage of yeah. time. Um, and so what we're doing is trying to provide a really simple way of searching for things. To people who are interested in technology, we are a numeric search engine, not a word search engine or phrase or language search engine. So what that means is once you've done your search, you get your information straight away yep. that you're seeking rather than ending up with a long list of results. And when mm. you trail through those results, 
uh, as anyone who's using Google would find if they use Google to find anything, as an example of, of a way to search. Um, but what we do is we get to that answer and you don't have to then manually search through your search results. Yeah, I love that. That's so interesting. And, you know, of course, in any negotiation, having the information to back up where things should be going and to justify offers that you might be putting on the table are great. So giving people a way to access that information at early stages of the negotiations, I think will be really helpful in increasing those settlement rates and, and helping people get there faster and cheaper. Yeah, and, and we do it in a format where um, people can, like mediators and lawyers, barristers, solicitors can take that information with them to a conference so if they have their phone with them and something comes up um, it's not a case of looking at the advice that they'd written you know three months or three weeks ago to their client they can actually just do the search in time in real time while they're there um, and so if something comes up and there's a dispute about you know which which category something falls into, then they can resolve that. But, you know, ultimately um, it's a small part of the bigger picture of, you know, what happens in those compensation negotiations and it, it lends to a technology solution because mm. it's not a space where people should, I think anyway, spend buckets loads of time. Um, lawyers are better spent... Um, their time, in my view, um, in the other um, aspects of those claims in terms of whether a client's going to win or lose their case. Um, you so know, they, should, they should be on the liability rather than the quantum side. Yeah, or, or and even on other other areas of quantum that are quite technical. So mm. things things in relation to economic loss can be very technical yeah. if the person involved is running a business, if the injured person's running a business, for example, or... Yeah scenarios where people might have an awful lot of medical expenses or something like that. But um, but but I moved into that space because I thought that uh, I would go to conferences and mediations and, and sit there and go, well, I'm helping my client, but I started getting this growing urge to actually want to help everybody involved. Mm. Um, and the other skill I think to being a mediator is, you know, being able to be... Um, uh, an exceptionally good listener to everybody else's view of the world, mm. and I don't think that's my skill. So, <laughs> so, so I thought that uh, in in that respect, I would uh, you know do something that I thought was going to help more people, but ultimately, um, you know, build a bridge that just doesn't exist um, in in this particular area. And uh, you know, we're, we're in the process of doing the same thing for New South Wales. So we are we are moving. Fantastic. The the goalposts. That's great. So Susan, I've had such a nice time chatting with you. I'm going to put all of your contact details in the show notes for people to access. Um, but just quickly, if somebody's interested and wants to jump onto your website and have a look about what Forseti is doing, what's the best um, place for them to go? Just go to www.forseti.com.au. Fantastic. Thanks again so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks, Nicole. Lovely to be here. And congratulations again on your big win. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Negotiation in Real Life podcast. If you've taken away some great tips from this episode, I'd love to hear about it. So please connect with me via my website or LinkedIn. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to learn more tips to improve your negotiations, 
head to our website, nicoledavidsonnegotiation.com.au, where you can follow my blog, view presentations and download resource sheets. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get every episode as it comes out. If you have an interesting negotiation story that you'd like to share with my audience, head to the website and complete a guest application form. Until the next episode, happy negotiating.